Off top, the original 13 rules of basketball by James Naismith, dribbling wasn't allowed, nor was running, and teams could be from three to 40 players. If you had three consecutive fouls, the other team got a goal. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, Charlie. Um, I don't know how I ended up. Oh, I do know how I ended up there. It was um, reading Kate Fagan's book, Hoop Muses. It's pretty good, which is mostly about women's basketball. So how I ended up with the men's basketball off the top. Pretty sad and embarrassing. Sorry about that, Kate. I'll, I'll find some other ones in a second. I'm on like chapter five. It's a pretty good book, though. Pick it up if you like basketball. Uh, also, I learned that maybe Naismith stole the game. Apparently, there's photos from Herkimer, New York, according to Kate's book, that um, show people playing basketball before our man Jimmy Nay. Oh, well, speaking of basketball, what you got? You had something or you want to talk about what we were talking about pre-show, how you got your hands dirty? Is your, your first aggressively fatherly duties? Sure, I can I can uh, tell that story. But I was gonna say, didn't James Naismith develop basketball to be like a winter sport for lacrosse practice? Um, I think it was just because it was cold in the Northeast and they needed something to do between uh, football and baseball. I didn't realize it had anything to do with lacrosse. They so he created this game, and I could have uh, totally made that up or just read that wrong somewhere. Well, again, this is based on Kate's book that they were saying that it was between football and baseball seasons and they needed something to do in the Northeast because it was cold. And uh, that was it. That's they they invented basketball in which you couldn't dribble and uh, you could play with up to 40 players per team. It looks nothing. I imagine it looks nothing like it looks today. And the, the peach baskets were supposed to be boxes, but the janitor brought baskets. So they hung them up. 10 feet high it was only because that's how high the railings were no science to it but yeah that's it how about this i was doing some googling and we just did some live research to start our monday morning pod was that was that good potting to start the pod oh yeah i loved it okay great so do you want me to tell this story about my, my monday morning oh yeah this is even better potting <laughs> oh god this is good so <laughs> hold up before you get to it after this we will be getting to some ncaa thoughts and also um what's happening in the football offseason all right and this just this just shows you how far the NCAA tournament has fallen. That we're going to literally lead. I with, I, uh, I try. I've been trying to get excited about it. I'm going to force myself to get excited about it. I did a little bit this morning, but I got a little discouraged also because my Maryland Terrapins, if they make it out of the first round, they got to go up against the number one overall team in the whole tournament, which is a decided villain in this year's tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the Alabama Crimson Tide, but it's not looking good for my turtles. Anyway, there's Dobby in the background on your frame. So please tell us about your father, your dog fatherly duties. Okay. So I have this dog, awesome dog, two year old dog, loves toys like every dog. So we ordered him BarkBox, comes once a month. He gets five toys at a time and loses his fucking mind for about 24 hours and tears them all apart and is a total maniac. Um, yesterday, he got a little bit too excited. He must have digested some of the fluff, some of the fur on the outside of those toys. And this morning, let him out into our backyard at like 7 a.m. I look out. He's trying to do his business, but he's panicked. He's like hopping around trying to. There's something dangling from his hindquarters. And 
I saw the panic in my son's eyes and I did what any father would do. I strapped up two poop bags on my hands, opened up the door, walked outside in my boxers, picked him up and pulled a furry turd out of his butthole. For you. You're a hero. I'm proud of you. Good job. And that was my Monday. That is, uh, I don't know. I was trying to feel a segue. I don't know who the furry turd is in sports that I could spin this off to, but I don't think I can name anybody. I, I know you would name some people, but I'm not going to let you do that because we're a players positive podcast here. I guess the, the Bengals, the Cincinnati Bengals are the furry turd of the NFL right now. I thought you were going to be uh, talking about all of those evil college basketball coaches that have been slowly pulled out of that uh, septic tank tank of a system over the last couple of years. I don't know. So like the, the, the tournament feels like it used to be such a big, it was the best. It was the best. I feel like a jerk saying that it's not a big deal anymore, but like Duke won the ACC tournament this weekend and like it barely made a, a blip. That's like a big thing. It's a big basketball conference. And Duke is a blue blood that people tend to care about. They won the ACC tournament this year, and it didn't seem like it made a blip. And that's that's fine. It's a conference tournament. It like really doesn't mean a whole lot, except uh, that one year when Georgetown managed to save Patrick Ewan's job, uh, prolong the inevitable. And destroy the think, program. Yeah, and send the program down even further. That was the one time it matters if it's like saving the job of uh, embattled uh coach but okay that's fine but the big tournament i want to be excited about it i know we're going to do brackets but that doesn't feel like a big deal and i've been thinking about this a little bit it's been going on for a while and people point to like the one and done being a problem because you don't get to know them and i think that's part of it like you don't get to know the characters and that's we have to always uh accept that these sports properties are entertainment properties first and you need characters to care about and storylines to care about to care about. And we don't have that in part because we lost a lot of the coaches who we know and either love or hate, you know, like we feel passionate. <clears throat> Excuse me, getting broken up because I love college basketball so much. <laughs> no, um, the coaches that we either love or hate aren't there for us to care about. The, the programs that normally you want to hate, like Duke became somewhat likable over the past decade or so which isn't fun and like you don't know the players the few players that we know is normally not for a good reason the zion year is like the last time it felt like college basketball became something that really matters and then you can also just talk about how uh the game is somewhere between amateurism and like full-on professional sports and Mm -hmm. it feels uncertain and and that's kind of gross i guess what do you why do you think it is where it is or are you hype about it you can't wait to fill out the bracket and watch the games i I, first of all i'm not going to pretend like i'm not going to sit there for at least 12 hours and (laughs) watch these and watch these games and regress to being like a a festering 22 year old on the couch that's gonna happen and that's the fucking best regardless of the players or not that's the best um but no i mean college basketball is in a in a terrible spot and I, there's so many things that start that start with it. First of all, I do think the coach thing really matters. And I want to start there because I think the coaches left, not because of the one and done rule, not necessarily because of like the concept of paying the players. Like, I think everyone agrees that these players should be getting money with NIL, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but because the amount of player movement and what happened with COVID in college basketball, that affected the continuity to me more than the one and done rule. Like guys were just moving from team to team so quickly that 
to me as a fan, it made the sport legitimately hard to follow. It's not like the NBA. There are there are no college basketball casuals. There's no there's no casual who's like, oh, I got an opinion about why Armando Baycott and UNC didn't have a good good season this year. Like you can do that with the NBA and check in and out and box score watch and watch highlights. You cannot do that with college basketball because you have no idea who the players are, what team they're going to be on. Um, and the result of that is losing these venerated coaches where you lose Coach K, Jay Wright, Roy Williams, et cetera, et cetera. And the only real established coaches you're left with in the country are Tom Izzo, who seems to be on his way out, Calipari, who would be a fired fuck if he didn't have DJ Wagner in the top recruiting class coming in next year. And Tony Bennett, whose innovation is just playing like a really constipated zone defense and trying to get the games under 50. Um, And that's led to a really big thing because think about college football. Part of the reason college football has thrived in this era of uncertainty and chaos is they are the breeding ground for innovation for the sport. Like we look to Lincoln Riley for what can we do in the NFL? We look to, Nick Saban to rehabilitate coaches, et cetera, et cetera. College basketball is like you're you're transported back to the seventies watching it. Also, I think the to to my point before about us needing characters to care about. Sometimes the team, and it's true of football in general, like professional football. Oftentimes, the team is the character, and there's so many people that are interchangeable. There's normally for good teams, there's one coach that's always there or there's one quarterback that's always there or a defender that's always there that you can associate with the team and it's nice to have different personalities because when you're parachuting in you're casual you want to like have some buy-in and that was nice when duke felt like they were like the the fancy upper crust private school kids that none of us really liked like that's what they represented but then Coach K was like, nah, this ain't going to work. And then he started getting all the same kids that everyone else was getting. And I would never be in favor of what Coach K was doing before, but it did make basketball more fun. Like, I know my dad, I grew up a UNC fan, and I loved watching, like, obscure players that you don't even remember, like Dante Calabria and Jeff McGinnis and, like, Joe Forte. Like, I remember watching these players, and I loved watching them. The math legend Joe Forte. Oh, yeah, yeah. He is, you would remember him because he's from the area. That In part because my dad, who didn't go to UNC, but he grew up in Charlotte. And what UNC represented was the opposite of Duke. And so, like, you're a black person in Charlotte, and you're growing up, and you're watching sports. You like UNC. And then they have the black players. They had Jordan. And that was Jordan was at, well after my dad was an adult, because I guess 83 was when I was born. But it represented something to him. UNC was something that he wanted, even though it was a elite institution that I'm sure was not like the bastion for civil rights. What it represented to him was an identity that he could grab onto. If you switch the jerseys on most, most players and uh, and like the recruiting reports on most players and the, the suits or the ties off of most coaches, there aren't like defining characteristics that give you a character. And so like, if you're not going to have players that are one good enough for us to notice and two willing to stay around long enough for us to learn them and get to know them, then it's going to be hard, especially when the same thing is happening with coaches. And Bomani makes this point about uh, professional basketball and how there used to be room for characters. Yeah. And like just the weird guy. Yeah. And it was something weird styles of play. Yeah. And now that's kind of been, there are a few guys where you're just like, all right, I don't know, like this is a 
this is what he does and he has a little bit more personality. But if you think about it, there's not the breadth of personalities in the NBA. And the same thing is true, I feel like, in college basketball is I don't feel pulled to any team. And I don't know who my guys are, you know, like I, yeah. there's not like the Fab Five. Clearly, those are my guys. They're going to be my guys. <laughs> like where anybody who's my age had to love the Fab Five unless your parents went to Ohio State. Otherwise, like they felt like they were young and cool and rebellious. I can't think of a team in the last 15 years, I guess maybe the a couple of those Kentucky te teams, but I can't think of very many teams where I'm like, all right, I identify with them immediately or not even identify with them, recognize a distinction between them and other teams. Yeah. I mean, first of all, Duke has a seven foot white guy who is a five-star recruit and I don't even know to hate him. And that's sad. <laughs> like I, like last year I had like a genuine, like sportsgasm watching UNC beat Duke in that oh, semifinal. That and I was like, I can't wait to see coach K not want to shake UNC people's hands and fake a back injury and give a sniveling press conference about something. And I was like, this is great, but you know what? I missed that. I miss that sniveling motherfucker. I miss <laughs> coach K lying down on the court. I miss coach K uh, being the villain I need and looking more and more like the Duke blue devil logo every single season. Um, it's sad without the coach, without the coaches and the characters, but to your point about the weird guys, I actually think that's tied to college basketball. Um, I think the last school that really developed players was Villanova because they feasted on those four stars. And it brings me to a larger point that I actually don't know if, I mean, obviously take the LeBrons, take the Durants, take the like generational players out of this who could be developed anywhere. But for the vast swath of the mid tier of the NBA, I don't know if the dissolution of college basketball, like the fact that it was just perched and so easily easy to be torn down. I don't think that's good for player development. Like yeah. Villanova was the last program that developed players and you get someone herky jerky, like Jalen Brunson who played there for four years. You get a six, four guard like Josh Hart, who's going to get eight rebounds a game. You get Mikhail Bridges who should be a three and D wing and is capable of doing more because he actually handled the ball in college and turning college basketball into like an AAU program and like overtime elite having like the Thompson twins, dunk on 15 year olds yeah i don't know if that's necessarily good for developing interesting basketball yeah. players i don't so yeah i don't know i haven't spent enough time to like know what's good or bad for player development i've heard lots of theories and they all seem plausible to me but what i will say is and this is a theory that i think applies to a lot of things and maybe someone who cares more can write a book about this or may already have but the corporatization of sports is doing what corporatization does to everything is it sucks the soul out of it you know and so this how it relates to the character story to me is you professionalize it so young like there mm -hmm. are competitive aau teams right now for my kids like my kids don't play on them because none of my kids are like that serious about sports but like i know they play on rec basketball teams with guys who are like yeah we got five days a week practice for our aau team and they're 10 years old and like maybe it refines their skills and maybe it doesn't maybe it wears their bodies out cookie cutter some yeah and but yeah that's the point is there's something that you develop some uniqueness that you develop some innovation that you develop some and and probably it's not the best for all kids. There are probably some kids who would um, benefit from having some high level coaching early on, but it does make it a professional thing. And it like, 
zaps them of the personality. Everyone's imitating someone else. It zaps them of the uniqueness of their play. And and then they get to college, which is even more professional than these AAU ranks. And they're already pros. And then they get to the league and it's a professional thing. And I think that we have to understand that from analytics entering the sports, that's going to suck some of the fun out of it. Because what you are actually doing, hmm. um, my, my kids' uh, school has a mini master project. And they do like a week where they have to do like a work study program or like an internship, essentially, with somebody for a week. And uh, my daughter, oldest daughter, wanted her and one of her friends wanted to do it in the world of sports. And I tried to explain to them, like, you understand that you're not going to be on the team. Like, you're just going to be doing the same work that would be doing anywhere else. It's just the product you're selling is sports. And that's fine. But... I think one thing that we have to accept or acknowledge is that when you are trying to squeeze the value out of everything and make everything as efficient as, as possible, that has never been like a bastion for like art and innovation and fun and entertainment. And there's a balance. There's always going to be a balance for that stuff. And it feels like we are on the far end of that balance where we're trying to optimize for everything. We're trying to, um, trying to like measure everything. And it just does. And maybe it's fun for some people, but that should feel like school. And you think that starts in AAU where the kids like, at no, I don't think it starts in AAU. I think, I think it starts at the top and it trickles down to AAU. And so it goes from like understanding that you got to be ready for the NBA and how do you get ready for the NBA? You do things to get you ready for the NBA in college. How do you get ready for college? Do things to get you ready. And then, like, it just trickles all the way down. And how are we going to play? We're going to play a style that they play in the NBA to get ready for playing in the NBA. And it trickles all the way down to 10-year-olds. Like, nah, that's a mid-range shot. I can't shoot that. Like, they know this. Yeah. And, like, that, that happens. And, like, no, I can't try this move because whatever I got to work on. And so like, I'm jumping into their heads and I'm sure there are people who are deep in the AAU thing. Cause I hear people complain about like AAU is about an individual showcase, but I, I, I don't think that we can pretend like all of these areas where we look at all these areas that we see th things becoming more corporatized. It's, it's good for the bottom line, but it's not good for developing personalities. And that's what I'm here for. I'm here for entertainment. It's, yeah, it, 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 we talked about this a little bit on debatable when we talked about the Rams Super Bowl and how it felt like they kind of bought all the players they could for the championship. Mm -hmm. And now they're trying to offload them all. And I'm thinking like, man, was that fun? Like, like, I understand the outcome, but was it fun? And I guess the 10 Rams fans that are out there would say, yeah, maybe, but as someone who does not have a team, like I, I don't see that. I enjoyed watching the Super Bowl and their season was fine, but like there's no value for that for me to to come back. Like I'm not going to be talking about you know that Rams run they had. I'm like Aaron, Aaron Donald was real because I can't attach it to anything. You know, yeah. That's a, that's the one thing I remember is Aaron Donald was real. That's it. But I can't attach it to anything the same way I would. Uh, I think like Patrick Mahomes run or the Patriots run and it doesn't even have to be a dynasty. It could be like the Bengals while, while I was in the league, the Bengals were something like they yeah. never won a playoff game, but like I knew who the Bengals were. They were competitive. They were good ish. 
you know, and they couldn't win in the playoffs, but like they had an identity and a personality that wasn't always good, but it was, it was, um, it played as a foil to other people in the league. And it was a culture and an understanding that it represented something. I don't think it's football is the last sport, I think, to fully experience this, but it's happening. It's definitely happening to me as far as college basketball is concerned, because um, one last thing before I shut up, because I'm rambling. This is something that I am kind of passionate about, I guess. I didn't know until we started having this conversation. This show turned out to be better than I anticipated. I care about this a lot. What What is college basketball's draw? Because well, it's never been in. I don't know. I know this because I, I saw I went to two college basketball games this season. Both Maryland wins against um, highly ranked teams. They beat Purdue and they beat Northwestern. And I remember loving, I think it was Brendan Smith was the guard for Purdue that I fell in love with. No, it was Braden Smith. There it is. That I fell in love with because I hated him. Yeah. And I was like, I had forgotten. He gave me Duke vibes. So like they yeah. have Edie, the big center who was, doing okay and our center juju did pretty good job against him and kind of held him but he was skilled but he was big and kind of boring but they had a guy that was giving off wojahowski vibes he's like a little white guy wearing number three who was skilled as hell but like also kind of an asshole like kind of nudging our guys and he shot an air ball and the fans got on him called him air ball for the rest of the game and in that moment it just hit me. It's something that you bring up a lot that I don't put much credit in is like the value of a sports asshole. Yeah. And it was like, when we watch movies, we, if you watch any movie, you kind of learn that the villain matters. Like the villain is almost more important than the hero or the protagonist in the story is like that. Those obstacles are as um, compelling entertainment wise as anything else. And I realized that I love that game because I started like, fake hating but sports hating this guy through the course of the game and then we beat him and it was awesome and then i look around the rest of the landscape i didn't know who he was that morning and look around the rest of the la- landscape and it's like no I, it's, it's nobody out there that i care enough no, no coach no team no identity in college football these teams still have identities you know yeah it feels like even like washington state to me has an identity like i know what a washington state team looks like i don't give a shit about washington state Right. We don't have that in other sports and we're losing it in the professional ranks. That's the one thing I would say, as much as I love player empowerment in the NBA, that we do kind of we are kind of losing that. Like this is this team. This is how I feel about these guys. Like I went from loving players to hating players just because they switched around. And it's like, no, I want to be able to like, I don't know. I, I no, feel like I'm not making sense. I'm getting passionate and emotional about how they're ruining my favorite games. You you totally make sense because like that was the draw of college basketball was every game mattered because there's a finite amount of time that you're on this team and kids played incredibly hard and were incredibly passionate and it grew grew and grew and grew from February through March through the tournament, et cetera, et cetera. And do you remember the beginning of COVID? How CBS was playing all of the old college basketball classic games and you're seeing games from whether it was, you know, Ewing against Jordan in the 85 mm-hmm. title, or you'd see like Antoine Jameson against uh, like an Arizona team against Miles Simon or something. Um, but one, there were a couple things that were clear. One was that college basketball was a better product. The players were better. It was closer. See, you think it's like the AU styles trickling down and the innovation starting there and it's trickling through the NBA. I think college basketball not stylistically, but talent-wise, was much closer to the NBA a while ago than it is yeah. now. 
And I think college basketball now is much closer to, like, I don't think there's a tangible difference in how much I would enjoy going to a WCAC. We live in Washington, D.C. It says the best high school basketball league in the country is the WCAC. I think you could go to one of those games and see a few McDonald's All-Americans play against each other and see a similar level of play and intensity to a college game. Um, and that's a bummer that it's been degraded to the point that there's, that's closer to high school than it is, than it is yeah. uh, professional basketball. And a theory that I have, I've talked about it with our, our good friend Bomani as well, is I, I honestly feel like there needs to be a unification of the minor leagues of college ba- of, of professional basketball, whether that's investing in the college game and just making it professional light or the G league or overtime, whatever it is, there needs to be something that has like a path to get everyone in the same place. Cause it's a absolute disaster that Scoot Henderson is out here looking like, you know, Derek Rose had a baby with Alvin Kamara and we don't get to watch him playing college basketball. We get to watch him go against 30 year old dudes who are men who couldn't quite cut it. And you have to buy like a, and like NBA league pass and log in and watch the G league ignite games. Like that's a bummer. That's an actual bummer to not see him play like in a coach Cal system or a Rick Pitino system and run and press and be and wreak havoc. Yeah. I just, um, my head is always, or once we started talking about those classic UNC teams, I'm just, I'm, I'm back into my childhood where I'd sit in my room with my, or sit in the living room with my dad and my brother and watch like people like Shimon Williams who like had no hope of being like an NBA great, but I loved him while he was there. It was just a fun time to watch and, and cheer. And I remember uh, Randolph Childress. You remember Randolph Childress for Wake Forest? Yeah. yeah he's, nobody knows him anymore. He's not a name that you remember. He didn't make it far in the NBA, but he was an ACC legend with Wake Forest oh, yeah. with uh, that was, he was paired up with Tim Duncan, who was a standout, but None of these players, I'm not going to remember any of these players, and I'm not I excited mean, about it in the personalities. The Ed Codas. I miss the oh, Ed Codas of the world. Yeah, Ed Coda was great. That's a good time. Oh, man. Oh, it was the best. I went to, I used to go to UNC basketball camp. Uh, it was like a sleep, it was like my first sleepaway camp, and my parents would drive me down, and my brother was like playing some soccer turn or something. He dropped me off for three days. Um, and I was there when I was in elementary school, and it was like the era of the Rashad McCants, Sean May. Jawad Williams, Raymond Felton team. And gotta say, Rashad McCants was exactly like he was reported to be. He was the only one who wouldn't sign autographs for the 10-year-old kids, which I still find funny to this day. Y'all didn't deserve it. Serge That's Swicker. That's what he said. I've forgotten about Serge Swicker. Oh, forgot about I remember Eric Montross, but I forgot about Serge Swicker. Uh, let's just do UNC names for the rest of the show. Oh, I'm I'm down. <laughs> Are there any um I feel like we probably covered there's there's no Aaron Rodgers news up until this point. Uh, maybe How much do you think he's loving that? How long can he milk this? He's not. So you and I are going to disagree on this. We don't have I think he made this point. We don't have to watch this. We don't have to talk about it. We are choosing to. So if he wants to take a, a long time to answer it, and if he is enjoying uh, making his decision, enjoying the attention from it. That's fine. It's not a crime. Everyone who's mad about it, shut up. I'm tired of talking about it too, but we don't have to talk about it. I just, uh, I, I roll my roll my eyes at it because yeah. there's the reaction to the reaction that Aaron Rodgers isn't actually that annoying. He is that annoying. You can't make me think he's not that annoying. <laughs> he's not. See, the point is, he's not. I mean, he may be very annoying. I don't know him personally, 
But this part of him is not annoying. He's taking his time to make a decision. It's only annoying because we keep talking about it. Stop talking about it. <laughs> like, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to report his his um, darkness retreat. We don't have to every day, like, try to make some news out of some non-news event. It's fine. He may be annoying, but this ain't the reason why. I think he's he's milking it because he's annoying. So what did you think he likes this attention? Well, he, he didn't have to say a decision is coming soon. And we didn't have to talk about it. That's fine. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila. Came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh, one other thing from free agency. Did you see that the that Eckler is trying to figure out a trade? Um, yeah. I thought that was interesting because Danny Heifetz tweeted this out that Austin Eckler, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara all could be traded or cut. That's like a, a crazy inflection point in the running backs don't matter movement because those guys are incredible. I hate that. And that's like um, there's something that needs there needs to be some sort of carve out or something figured out for running backs because they probably take more punishment than just about anybody on the field. And because of that, they are like forced into a salary structure that doesn't benefit you until after like five, six, seven years of service. And by then they're useless to most other people. And I, I don't know, like I, I think it's really shitty. That, I do too. Uh, that it's just like you have to get lucky and your value is is not or the value you provide is not commiserate with like uh, the compensation that they receive. And I, and I don't know, this is probably not interesting to to listeners like thinking about how a running back or how all running backs are kind of getting ripped off. But it is a bit of a, a minor injustice or maybe a major injustice. I think it's a total. It's a totally major injustice. There should be a way to get more guaranteed money to running backs because, like, especially because a ton of these guys now, it's not a traditional person who's become like a, a dinosaur in the NFL. Like, 
these are guys who catch the ball and drastically affect these teams' ability to get first downs. And it's yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know what the answer is, but their their value is dropping dropping in the draft. I imagine that all again, all this stuff, like all, all these sports are connected. All the leagues, all the way down to the lower level, are connected. I suspect that better athletes are moving themselves to positions that actually get some respect because running back, if you are around that size and athletic, you're better off playing linebacker or safety. You're better off trying to like Derrick Henry. Yeah. Play a slot receiver. Like Derrick Henry should have played something completely different. Like, and to think we would have been robbed of the opportunity to see Derrick Henry. And so it's in all of our interests to figure it out. Uh, but it's, it's broken now. And I don't know if you change, uh, the compensation structure or you allow rookies who are drafted to that position to become free agents sooner, or you put something aside to compensate, uh, running backs who meet certain, um, benchmarks. But the idea that Saquon is like going to play on a franchise and then all this combines to make their franchise number lower. Cause no one's getting yeah. big deals. And like, all right, Saquon's playing on franchise and nobody's going to uh, care about him or play or make a play for him. It's crazy to have a player like that who is being treated like he's not impactful when he is. And it's just like the NFL, you're right, has been the sport that's gotten better with modernization compared to anything else. But not having fun running backs in college football in the NFL, you are losing a lot of protagonists. Just from the storyline perspective, like – you remember Reggie Bush? Remember yeah. How fun that was at USC? It was so fun. That next so dude is going to be that. He's going to want to play like Wes Welker and not Reggie Bush because that's going to make him more money. It's a lot less fun. I, I mean, so when I was growing up, running back was the position. Right. Running back was the position. So when I went out to play Pop Warner, I wanted to, I, they gave me number 13. I was good. So the next year I came back, I was like, no, nah, y'all give me 20 because I'm Barry Sanders. Like I wanted to be the running back. And I, I don't know if like um, lower level football running back is still the most important position because got to be quarterback. Throwing, yeah. I mean, well, throwing and catching at that level is probably a lot harder. So maybe it's still important, but nobody's no little kid is like looking at this and saying they want to be you're not putting your best player there. You're probably putting your best player at quarterback and doing design runs with them or something like that, which like I started doing that in high school, my senior year in high school. But it's not something we were doing. I just remember like my fantasies as a kid was like, I'm going to win the Heisman as a running back. Then I'm going to be like Barry Sanders. I didn't like Emmitt Smith, but like that he was in that realm or like Bo Jackson. Like those were the players that we looked up to. And that's all gone now, which I guess kind of sucks. But NFL is doing fine. They don't need any help. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they need fair. some help. They need some help, but they don't need help uh, generating interest or making money. No, I like this. You just absolved them of all moral concerns. The NFL is Man, doing fine. Goodness gracious. The more moral concerns are the big issue. Uh, if their product wasn't so damn entertaining, people might care about them trying to cut corners at every turn and extend the season and every opportunity or whatever. Huh, this was fun. Yeah, this is great. All right, let's move on. Roses and thorns. Appreciate you, Charlie. He's so good. Oh. Has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Roses and Thorns with Ashley Fox. What's up, buddy? Hi, honey. 
Did you feel that energy, that positive energy I'm bringing to this week's Roses and Thorns? Boom. Yes, Let's do it. Let's bring <laughs> it. How are you down in the basement? I'm good. I'm feeling pretty good. I, I The positive energy was a conscious decision because I feel like la- last week's Roses and Thorns was good, but it was it got a little too real. Like, And who wants to be real? <laughs> Roses and Thorns is, is a, a upbeat ray of sunshine at the end of sports podcast at the beginning of everyone's week we got to give you something to be excited about although i was feeling like i know people make fun of like millennials for using adulting like it's a verb but this morning i was getting tired of adulting it was oh my god we have the longest to-do list of adult crap and it's all adult stuff. And this isn't it, by the way. This is not adult stuff. I mean, I get this is for his job. He's being paid for this. But this does not count towards what we consider adulting, to be clear. Yeah, I'm, I might. If we didn't have kids, I might just opt for for a drunk uncle status and just give up on taking care of all the shit he's supposed to take care of and just get drunk all the time and hang out and, and just be the fun guy at all the family functions. But we still have to maintain like a place to live. I know. I mean, we good. You drink enough, you don't care where you at. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what do you mean we're good? I mean, we're good now. But okay, speaking of the one good thing, well, I mean, I guess we probably should continue to address it. But we solved the loud noise problem. And I just want to say, it's what I said it was in the first, you know, what place. So we had a woodpecker problem before. So I I was like, oh, what if the woodpecker's back? And that's what it is. Our neighbor, like I drove up today and I heard it really loud this morning. And our neighbor was like, okay, me and my husband are outside. We see it. There's a woodpecker. Do you hear it right now? I was like, yes, there's a woodpecker banging on your chimney, which feels like it shouldn't be made of wood. I think it might be metal, which might be why it's so loud. But if so, why is the woodpecker even wasting its time there? Just honing its skills for like later damage it wants to do. That woodpecker messed up stuff on our house. It's stone. Like I, I, I oh, it's stone. Is stone, isn't it? I think. Oh, I mean, okay. okay. Well, it sounds like metal. Okay. Most of our house is stone. Most of our is, sto- is stone. There was like a strip of wood in the middle that uh, like carpenter bees and I was in a war with them because the way our house is, um, the sun comes up on the front of our house. And apparently it's like when we get to spring, like animals that need heat and need wood like woodpeckers and carpenter bees see that part or see that heat and are attracted to it so i've taken yeah i've done some work on the bees but then we had to get somebody replace that wood because guys when he says he's done some work on the bees it means he dedicated like so much of his life annihilated between two different homes of ours and to learning how to like deal with carpenter bees. He would go up and wear like my big sunglasses as goggles. Um, It was the only time he's ever worn like fancy sunglasses in his life. I have like pictures of him doing this, like on ladders. Like he was obsessed with these bees. He would like not socialize. I'm sorry. I know, I know that we need bees and it's sad that bees are dying and we need them for the health of and future but they don't need to be in my house like it was our deck in our in our old house that they would just go under it and go to work and above the garage those pillars above the garage they really messed that's where i have the pictures of you at you were like really into killing them there and then we got somebody to like seal it and we were good from that point forth but i didn't want them to seal it it was personal yeah no you had a real a real obsession with them i destroyed them in the front they ain't been back for a couple of years. Mind you, after they caused damage that caused us like a whole lot of money. So one could argue that they whooped your ass too. But hey, if you hey, want to I feel lost like some battles. Future, I that's that's fair. It wasn't an ass. It wasn't a blowout. It was a close game. We won in overtime. You, how did we, we end up winning? 
because I'm here and they not. Okay. You're here like lots of thousands of dollars later. Oh, well, I bet they would have they would have come up with thousands of dollars to have a home and a life. They don't got it. Killed them. But they're drunk uncles, so they, oh, they don't worry about these things. In which case, they kind of win. Like, they're chilling. They're good. Um, that's the life you want. Um, so, yeah. So now we just need to figure out how to get the woodpecker gone. But that's yeah. okay. We'll I mean, do I don't it. know that. I, I assume that anybody remembers or listens every week and remembers. So last week, we were talking about how every morning there was like a really loud sound. Felt like drilling right in our bedroom. And I and said, I like- bet that's a woodpecker. And he said, a woodpecker couldn't be that loud. And I said, oh, okay, then. And I believed him, guys. Yeah. Sometimes you have to trust your intuition. And sometimes you're wrong, too. (laughs) Let's look at the stats on on that. But in this case, I was right. Oh, what are you trying to say about the stats on that? I don't know. I said, let's look at them. You don't just say trust intuition. I feel like. Don't make me start keeping them. (laughs) Keep them. I like numbers. Let's do this. We can have a a marriage analytics consultant just come in and see who's right, who wins more arguments. But actually, that's not fair. I lose. I lose a lot of arguments. But who should have won these arguments? I just I noticed that like we don't have a lot of like arguments arguments because most of the time I know that that's not an arena that I can win in. As soon as it gets to like a back and forth, that's even the slightest bit contentious. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'll find another way to win. I thought it's not- just because you were a peaceful person. It's because you're competitive. I'm a peaceful person also. But I mean, I'm not going to fight on the grounds that I can't win on. We're going to find somewhere else. Why do I win if I'm not right? Well, because you're opinionated and you're smarter than me and a little bit more nimble and uh, more (laughs) articulate and attractive. All those things are important to win an argument. And it comes down to I learned a while ago that I can't tell you I can't give you any sort of like direct uh, opinions, because if you don't agree with that opinion, then it's not whether it's right or wrong. I guess it's opinion. It can't be right or wrong. It doesn't matter once it's. once it's out there and if you don't believe in it, then you will find all the evidence, all the angles, no matter what. Because that's the case. It's like there's most conversations or I guess most like uh, marital or relationship disagreements or disputes come down to something that is not right or wrong. And you're just better at it. So I know that the best way to go about it is just lay out some breadcrumbs and hopefully that you come around to my side. Because once I say this is what I want, it's like, nah, that ain't, that ain't what we're going for. You make me sound like such a contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian. Oh, no, I don't think uh, if it's something that you agree with, then it's fine. But if it's if it's something you have the slightest reservation about, then I'm going to lose that one. When you said nimble, I was like, yeah, I can think of times where I've been like, oh, this avenue. I was going out here and I see it. It's bad infamy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, switch it up real quick. And I'm not nimble like in real life. I'm not graceful. I'm not like I can't. That's not me. But you're right. I, I give you that. I give you that. Um, anything else, guys? We had our first. Oh, no, that's not true. I was about to tell a lie. I was gonna say we had our first weekend of the only two weekends we have. Well, three if you include when we're out of town and miss stuff of not having kids' sports because oh, we're yeah, like between we seasons. I know we, but I didn't go, was the thing. So to me, I had a weekend of no kids. Dominique was in an outdoor soccer game, it was like 40 degrees, but I was warm at home. So thank you for taking that. That oh, no problem. I, I don't mind those things, those are pretty cool. But next week, we have a weekend with no kids sports. So that's exciting. And then we have a week away and a weekend of no kids sports. And then we have like 18 kids sports. I know. Literally, our kids are on six different teams. Um, 
two of my son's teams practice twice a week each. So that's four different practices. And one of his teams only practices on the weekends right before the game. And then my daughter's teams each practice once a week. And my so that's three practices for, you know, there are three teams total. So it's gonna be really fun figuring that out. But that's the adulting that I can handle. Like driving a lot, I can drive a lot. That's fine. Like it's the it's the harder adulting that's tough. But anyway, you mentioned that we'd be away, which leads me to one of my roses that I, for myself i came up with a hashtag for your birthday trip a hashtag for my birthday for when i'm posting pictures of you yeah you know like he doesn't understand this guys because he's not on social media but like like if you go to a wedding or you go to like an event a lot of times we'll be like hashtag this so then everybody can like go back and find the pictures the thing is i'll probably be the only one posting with the hashtag but maybe lauren i can get lauren too you know what i might let my kids have instagram i'm joking i'm joking just for the weekend so we have more more stuff birth like say like burr because it's cold birthday trip dominique's 40th birthday trip and i got you some iced out ski goggles that i honestly didn't buy them but i want to but i know you're never gonna wear them so i should keep the 20 dollar pair i have one from amazon because then you'll look like iced out which goes with birthday trip do you think that's a good a good um hashtag um, i mean do you understand first what a hashtag for an event is i do and i mean i think it'd be great for jeezy I mean, it's... <laughs> no, it's you. It's you. I mean, That's the point. Because we'll be skiing. For those of you who don't know, we'll be skiing for his birthday. He picked a cold weather spring break birthday trip. Revenge. And he's so excited. Yeah. And the revenge is that I'm going to call your birthday trip nonstop ever since you first started. Um, so that's one rose for me. I also have a rose for you. So we went out this weekend. Okay, it'll take me a second to get to the rose, actually, because first I'll say this. We went out this weekend on a double date. We hadn't been out like on a date in a while. And we went on a double date, but we purposely, because um, we were just ready to leave the house, knew we were going to get there before the other couple. So like we had a drink before together. And then um, the other couple joined us. And so it's like we had our drink, we had our alone time. And then this other couple who we really love and like who's funny and like we can totally be ourselves with and say things that other people might think you shouldn't say in front of. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you can't say that right now. Oh, man. <laughs> but we had a really good time. And I realized like, are we at like a stage in our relationship where like, double dates are our best dates because like we talk so much like we talk on here we talk at home all the time we talk in bed all the time like we talk all the time we've talked all the time for like nearly 20 years now not exactly but like 16 17 years like having another couple of, and I, I feel bad thinking that because I'm like do I feel like I run out of things to say to you and that's not true but like it's fun sometimes to have another couple but then I'm like are you a baby step away from being swingers um so anyway what do you think are we a double date couple now um, we only started talking in bed a couple of years ago, but we do talk a lot. Of Is that a joke that I don't get? No, nah, it's just a joke for me. We do talk a lot. And I think that, uh, have we run out of things to say? So I guess people who are listening are like, yes, mother, y'all been run out of stuff to say. <laughs> no, I would say it's, it's, <laughs> it's different because you've run out of things to say. Or run about run out of things that you want to talk to me about because like there are plenty of things that are worth having conversations about like but I guess they maybe aren't relationship conversations so uh, you like are always up on local news and stuff like that and maybe that's even more maybe that's even more boring and 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 more sad for your relationship if that if local news yes, becomes I the topic so. of your date conversation but yeah like I I mean I think a lot of people don't have a whole bunch of like. 
riveting first date conversations when you are on your one millionth date. So, yeah, I mean, is it throwing another group into it is good. I think that's almost worse sometimes, though, because <laughs> I foresee a point where we are telling the same stories to other people. And that's really terrible when you're like, man, you're telling this motherfucking story again. Like, that's so we <laughs> just need to have a really big double dating pool then, like, so we don't go out with the same couples. Oh, no, often. no. It's not about you telling the same couples the same stories. Oh, about, so, oh gotcha. I see what yeah, you're saying. Me hearing saying. the same story or you hearing my same stories. Because I feel like within five words of any story that I'm going to tell, you already know the story. You've heard all my stories. I don't have nothing new. Uh, I love all I your stories. That's that's what it is, though. It's just different experiences. Uh, and and I guess the double dates are different experiences, but I, I'd be happy to talk about like current events, but I guess that's not sexy either. Like you don't want to be out on a date at night. Because unfortunately what we end up talking about a lot is our children. Because like yeah. I'm with them so much of the day. Um, and like, I feel like we both love them and like, I want to catch him up on, you know, this thing I forgot to tell you about this kid or like this funny story or remember when. Um, but like, that's so whack to talk about your children all the time. They steal enough of our energy. We had two of them in our bed last night um, and literally stole my energy. I'm so tired because I was stuck between two kicking children um, on the night after losing an hour of sleep. But anyway, the night that we did lose an hour of sleep was our double date night and we got home. So we had a babysitter who came who's not like our normal babysitter that we use. Only two of our kids were home. Our eldest, our most responsible, who like knows the alarm code and stuff was not here. And so I set the alarm and the babysitter, like I would tell her the alarm code and I've told it to her before, but I don't think she remembered it and like no one was coming. So she didn't need it. And I could always turn it off my phone, but obviously she knows my phone number. But so my son got a terrarium. He's really into nature. He had gotten a terrarium that he like earned, um, a long time ago, but I ordered it a long time ago when he was having like after a period during which he earned this little terrarium thing. Um, and by ordered it, ordered in air quotes because I never actually placed the order. Um, but he doesn't really understand how quick things are supposed to shit. So I kept being like, yeah, I don't know why PetSmart is taking so long. And then it would piss me off because he would do shit where I'd be like, you deserve this fucking terrarium anymore. I don't want this dirt in my house. Um, but the problem was like he had been earned it a long time before. So like technically like I couldn't take it back from him or I shouldn't take it back from him, but I never actually placed the order. So this one of those times when you take a side street that you don't want me to direct you back to the main street? Yeah, I know you, where you... I'm going. I know. I, this is my, I'm nimble. I'm nimble. I'm floating around. Okay, gotcha. And so, so that was one of the words that you said that you can't say around couples, but you can say it on the podcast. Listen, that's not true. I said it was nice that we could go out with couples where we could say things, right? Um, but I'm sorry, that you just said Christina, Sarah, that... Adi. I'm sorry, we're gonna have to edit some stuff out. No, nah, I don't. Edit um, it, but Maybe so not. anyway, so he was outside in our back filling this terrarium before our date. And it's big. So he's like carrying it in and out the screen door. And we have a cat. Remember, he's not an outdoor cat. Um, and Declan loves the cat. Our son loves the cat more than anyone. It's like his emotional support cat. And like, he's obsessed with it. It's his brother, um, which is weird. But anyway, that's how he feels about it. Except for that's how I thought else. he felt about it until this weekend. What'd you say, babe? I said the cat loves me more than anyone else. I <laughs> know because Declan's The cat's the lo love him. language is uh, deeds of service. And I'm the only one. <laughs> <laughs> that cleans and you leave him alone where he definitely wants to mess with him all the time but so he was carrying his terrarium in the house so you have to come into that before we leave our date and take a shower so he was carrying our double date excuse me he was carrying his terrarium in the house and um so it's like big so he had to leave the door open so anyway he takes a shower we leave on our date like we get back because double date normally our dates are like 
an hour and a half. I'm like, okay, let's go home and get in bed. But it was a double date. We party. We stayed out like for two and a half hours. Um, and we get back after like probably like three hours after um, our Uber gets us home. And he's like, mom, I haven't seen Lamar. That's the name of our cat. Um, and I was like, oh, Lamar, he's probably just in the basement, whatever. Like, he's fine. He's always hiding in some corners. So I really wasn't that worried. But then he was like, I don't know. I think maybe he might have gotten outside when I was bringing my terrarium back in. But like the way he said it, I was like, he knows he got outside when he was bringing his terrarium back in. And we have like a fenced in patio, but he's a cat. Like, and we know before he's gotten to our neighbor's yard when like one time we intentionally let him out back because like he found a hole to go under. I think the fence is so high. Maybe he can't easily jump it, but like he could figure anything out um and so three hours later we get home it's cold um it's like super dark it's like 11 o'clock the um the hour was gonna get lost at 2 a.m so like we're already working on less sleep than we you know should get dominique foxworth this is his rose he goes outside and he finds lamar um so good job you were a hero i think neither of us particularly love our cat don't get mad at us out there animal people okay I'll say neither of us like our cat but like I love him because of how much my son loves him um and that might be a strong word to say that I love him but but I'm scared to not have him because of how much my son loves him because (laughs) because of the pain that it would cause all of us for Declan to live without him and like but that's what I thought at least but then I was like nah like unless he just didn't really understand how bad it could have gone for him being outside because I was like you love him so much and like he maybe he wasn't sure it happened but it seemed like he like he was like, nah, I really think that happened. He kind of knew. But yeah, so the finding Lamar, I thought, was a lost cause because it's cold and he had been Me out too. there for at least three hours. And also, he's not the brightest or at least maybe he it, he doesn't feel like he's all that bright, but he also just doesn't respect us. But the one thing that I taught Lamar when he was a kitten uh, more than a year ago, I taught him okay. one thing was to respond to this clicker and, and I, Which knew, I could never find a cooker. Yeah, I, I knew at some point it was going to come in handy. And last night was it because I was only outside for like. I know because I was out front. I didn't. I was like, maybe he got like out three minutes, somehow. three minutes till I found him. And then like it's dark and all he can see is a bright light. And so he doesn't see who I am or whatever. So like I found him immediately and then refinding him and actually catching him probably took 15 more minutes. But yeah, the clicker came through. It's one thing if you have a cat. I think lots of people have like indoor outdoor cats that just like come and go. Remember when we had neighbors whose cat before when I really hated animals like and their cat would somehow get into our patio but be unable to get out. So it is really hard to get out because the fence is really high, but I'm sure it's possible. Like the cat got in and it would get he got under the fence. But but um. But in our neighbor, like, and I tracked down eventually, I asked all the neighbors, like, whose cat is this? It was an older couple that, like, we weren't um, close to or didn't know very well. So, like, and I'm scared to pick up the cats. I'm like, so, so I go knock them. And I'm like, hey, had a picture. Like, is this your cat? They were like, oh, yeah, we have nine of them. They're all over the neighborhood. It's fine. They come home eventually. <laughs> I don't think Lamar would come home. Though. Like, if he really, I don't think he's smart enough if he really got out and into the world. I don't think he would make it home. Um, plus, he is. I don't like him, but he is very attractive. So someone might just want to take him and steal him. Hope so. I mean, if he gets away, I don't think that he could survive on his own. So I hope somebody takes him. I know. And I'm like, now I'm so worried anytime we open the door. It's like, shoot, he's like experienced the outside life. He probably caught some mice out there. Like he might think it's a place for him to be. So I'm always more cautious now when I open the door to make sure. Because before he would like stand back kind of scared a little bit, especially when it's cold. But now I'm like, nah, he's going to go out there. But then I saw him just now or like 10 minutes ago. So happily, but 10 minutes before we started this, laid up in your um, love sack beanbag. I'm like, no, Lamar, 
this is the life for you. The nice plush bean bag with um, a warm basement. This is where you need to live. I feel like he needs some outside time every now and then. He needs to chase some rodents. Well, how are you going to do squirrels. it? I, I'm not. I just said I feel like he needs it because he's like he he wreaks havoc around the house. Like it's, he just breaks things and knocks them down and climbs in weird places. He just has a lot of extra energy that he needs to get out. So oh well. I said that about my son too. I'm like, we need to send him out to run. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why we got all these. That's sports, why he's playing remember, on three teams. Exactly. I remember. Um, when we first had kids, you were like, no, we're not going to overwork our kids. It's one activity per kid per season. And you can switch sports or you can do piano or you can do. Yeah, you can do whatever. But we're doing one. Now it's like, nah. Oh, you don't got nothing to do on Wednesday. We're going to find something to do. He, act- on he actually doesn't have anything to do on Wednesday. His busy days are Tuesdays yes. and Thursdays. Yes. Um, I know. I know. <laughs> Um, Monday he has lacrosse clinic. So add that in too. That's not a team. That's a clinic. So he's, he's a busy guy, but if not, we have to run with him. But no, I know Lamar has been doing the most dangerous things. He's been falling from so, so high or jumping from so high, but like them being splayed on the ground, it really feels like he's trying to waste a lot of his lives. Um, because he's just over us. He's like, let me get down to two remaining and then we'll see how shit goes. Um, okay. Finally, before we wrap up, I do have a thorn for you. And it is that friends of ours um, came over and gave me, they were like, let me see your setup. Let's work on it. Like, this is what they do professionally. I was like, set up. Like, my computer just is in the dining room when I do the podcast. And when I, it's a laptop. When I don't, I drag it around the house with me, you know, and use it. But, um, but so they were looking at my Zoom settings. And then they also looked at Dominique's and they said, Dominique had his set. She's like, oh, we should switch you to HD camera. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Switch Dominique too. Dominique, who does Zooms like one for a living. I mean, these podcasts, which are recorded on Zooms for a living um, or for part of his living. Um, his so fine. His was on HD, but he never told me about this. And listen to this. He even had some setting that like made his face prettier. I don't know what that was, but like, like a filter, basically. Sometimes I look at you and I'm like, oh, his makeup, he must've put makeup on today, but no, it's all along. You've known about this setting and you never told me about it. And that is so rude. And honestly, I forgot to turn it on today. She actually said she didn't recommend it. She said sometimes it gets a little messed up when they try to like compress the files or whatever but that's your thorn that you were trying to be on here looking all cute and all highly defined and you wanted me to look basic in the dining you don't need any help i need a little i mean there's already plenty of creeps in the comments now you don't need any more assistance creeping out the comments anymore no, here's how i know you i know that you don't think there are you would never read comments <laughs> yeah you know i know the internet though and i know creeps are all over the internet so i'm sure there are creeps in the comments that Check is your so DMs. Cute. i'm sure you got some creeps in there no i um, don't that is so cute guys he loves me so much that he thinks my 40 year old baggy eyed behind is getting creepy comments i love you thank you for for loving me i didn't say you was getting them from 20 year olds you getting them from other 40 year olds you're killing the 40 year old game (laughs) that's still something shit i'm gonna get i'm gonna take what i can get oh i'm not judging you i i um uh, i didn't say i was getting from 20 years older shockingly guys update jalen hurts hasn't reached out but i've seen pictures of him with his girlfriend recently and she is beautiful and they are just good for them glowing um i got uh, a couple compliments in my suit uh, when I came back. So after on Friday, I went up and did Bomani's show, HBO show, Game Theory. And so I came back and you dropped Declan off downtown. I didn't even get to go home, drop off downtown to go to a, to a basketball game. And a couple people gave me compliments on my suit because like, I, I was out of place at a basketball game in a bright blue suit. And a couple of women were like, oh, nice suit. And then I was thinking that 
it's probably pretty hard for me to get like scammed or fall into a con artist trap because I don't know. Because the first thing that crossed my mind was like, what they want? They up to something. It wasn't like maybe I actually look nice in my suit. Maybe they're being nice. I didn't even think that maybe they were flirting with me. It didn't cross my mind. It's like, what's your angle, lady? <laughs> I'm a skeptical person, I guess. It's kind of creepy. Except for one of our adulting issues this morning is you have been scammed. <laughs> you have been the victim of some fraud. I think it's scammed. I got uh, my identity you stolen, apparently, yes. which is different than getting scammed. That is true. But when you first started, it was funny because I was like, hmm, you think that. Yeah, you were on the phone all morning trying to deal with this shit. Um, so anyway, yeah, adulting is fun. Yay, full circle. This was, you know, not as joyous as sometimes, but better than last week. Um, you said it wasn't as good? No, I said not not as joyous, maybe not as good oh. either, but not as joyous. But if y'all can edit it to one, take out when I say bad words and two, add Don't joy. I appreciate y'all. Thank you very much. Leave it in, highlight it, slow it down, put it in slow motion so we can make it out for those who do not have an entuned Negro ear. Bye. Love you. You know, I love you too, even though you say things like that. Goodbye. Appreciate it, Christina, Adi, Sarah. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.